0: Where's my coffee? Oh no. I asked. No, I have it. Oh. Oh, it's on it's on the floor. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Don't worry, crisis averted. All right, ready? Ready, ready? Yep. I always have to do this before I get started. Now I'm going to feel extra nervous cuz we have a new person here. Oh, no worries. <laughs> here I'll do it. This is be
1: creative. Yeah, you
0: do it. You say it.
1: <laughs> That's all I know. That's all I
2: This is Be Grateful, a podcast about how we find fullness through creativity. I'm Joe. And I'm Madison. And today, on episode twenty eight, we are talking about identity. And this is a part two to our imposter syndrome podcast.
0: And you maybe heard another voice that wasn't mine or Madison's. So <laughs> who is the mystery voice? Introduce yourself.
2: Hello.
1: Um, I'm Meredith. <laughs> I'm Meredith Van, and I'm from Nashville. Do you want me to tell you about myself? Yeah,
0: I want you to just give us a little introduction. (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: So I'm from Nashville and I kind of got connected um, and found out about Make Do because of Harding. I went to Harding and studied interior design. So one of the board members for Make Do, Amy Cox, um, kind of told me about her friend years ago named Joe. And so I've I've kind of like had this couple degrees of separation from knowing Joe mm-hmm. for several years. And now here we are, and we have each other's phone numbers now. <laughs> so, um, so that's really fun. But um, so I studied, I started out studying fine art in college. And then um, I ended up graduating with interior design degree from Harding worked for architecture firms in Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky. And then I moved to Italy for two years doing mission work. And then um, I've had just all kinds of jobs. Um, And most recently, I worked for Trader Joe's as an artist. But
0: um, Are you still at Trader Joe's? I'm actually not. I am. We always say, when we talk about you on the podcast, we always say Meredith, our friend Meredith who works at Trader Joe's. So we can't (laughs) say that anymore.
1: (laughs) Well, it's, it's as of, um, just as of this year. So, um, yeah. So when I started teaching at Harding, which that's what I'm doing now, Mm -hmm. um, not full time, but adjunct teaching a couple of classes in the interior design department, I sort of was like, oh, this is far more of a commitment than I.
0: Oh yeah, it's a big it's, man teaching. There's so much respect and so many questions. It's a lot all... of time, and yes. yeah, to, especially when you're just adjuncting a class or two, and it's so much time. Yeah. Um. Okay, so we're talking about. We wanted to follow up with our imposter syndrome conversation from last week, and actually, I got the idea through an. Instagram messaging conversation that Meredith and I had this week, and I've wanted to have Meredith on for a while, but I didn't know in what capacity, but through this conversation, I thought, okay, I think this is the perfect way for us to talk about this. So the gist of it was, I think Meredith, we don't know each other in real life at all. So we only know what we see on social media. And I guess what other people have said, so we do have, like Meredith mentioned, like mutual friends. Um, But I think social media gives us this way of curating our identity and that's all that we see of other people. So, um, but that's not who we are. And I think that the, um, the disconnect between that impression and who we actually are is where imposter syndrome starts to creep in. So I just thought it would be kind of a cool conversation then to transition into talking about... Identity impressions, first impressions, but also, you know, social media impressions. So I thought it would be fun (laughs) for us to say some of, like, the things we assume about Meredith because of what we see about her on social media and then (laughs) vice versa. Um, Because Meredith shared the podcast in her stories. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time because Meredith has shared it next week after it releases welcome and we're glad that you're here and listen to others or in the future we'll bring Meredith back on so that you stay. Um, <laughs> but Meredith wears the coolest glasses and <laughs> it's they're the like, first thing that you notice about her. Well, because they are too big for her face, but it looks so cool. And so she had talked about make do in her stories. And then when I shared it to my stories, I said, I feel like I need to let people know that, If I saw Meredith walking on the street as a stranger, I would think, look at that cool girl walking down the street. She is way too cool to be my friend. Like, I could never be friends with her in real life, but I would want to be. But look at those glasses. She's so cool.
2: So that's one thing that I would assume about Meredith. What about you, Madison? Um, I assumed that if we were like friends in college that you would not even bother talking to me because you are way too cool uh oh, you have an awesome style all your own and um Which y'all, seem... we found out y'all share a style a flight suit we do she's, yes. she's currently wearing a flight suit today yes and i have one too and i love it um and i would imagine that like um just from the things that i have seen and heard from joe that you were like fairly popular and like well liked and had lots of friends um so that would be my first impressions and i don't i wouldn't have any impression
0: on that so i don't know what i would have said to make you think that
2: yeah i don't know it's just sometimes it can just be how someone looks you just associate oh this person looks like someone i knew and that person had a lot of friends so this person must have a lot of friends yeah So, like, other people inform my first impressions of you. Also, you have very white teeth, which is (laughs) I like that. Good dental hygiene is very important to me.
1: Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. I know. Madison Um, gets appalled every time
2: the dentist comes
0: up because I don't go to it. Oh, I know. It's because I'm a a baby.
1: Oh, my goodness. I did used to whiten my teeth a lot, but I haven't done that in a very long time.
0: It hurts to have to make them sensitive. Okay, Meredith, what are some assumptions you made about us?
1: Okay, so um, is there going to be an opportunity to, like, debunk those impressions? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. that, yeah. That is
0: exactly that's what... the point. I,
2: I think okay. that's what we want to talk about. Okay, yeah. right.
1: Okay. Okay. You, um, can be,
2: you can be mean, too. Like, we want you to be honest. I'm often mean to Madison. <laughs>
1: oh, my word. <laughs> Y'all are great. Okay, so for Joe... I assume that Joe is like very spontaneous. Is that? Well, I we'll don't just keep to, going. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, okay. So, I think Joe is very spontaneous and like a big picture thinker and um not going to like she's going to want to be onto the next thing maybe before she even finishes the thing that she was working on. Is okay. that
0: right, Madison? <laughs> we do
2: have to re- we do have to remind everyone that Meredith does have the benefit of um, listening Having, to a podcast. That's, that's true. true. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So you, can, if you want to continue, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um. The only other thing I was going to say about Joe is that I I don't think Joe is afraid of a challenge. Like I think she is going to stand up and be like, no. Which actually you mentioned earlier about people coming to the door and being like all right, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. So, which for me is like, Oh, that's so frightening. Like I could not, I man have a lot of respect for you, my friend, because I couldn't do that. So
0: that is true. I hadn't thought about that. Meredith has a little bit of an advantage on us on this. Cause we also share in our yeah. stories,
2: like the day to day of what goes on here, but all of this, including the podcast to some extent is a curated mm-hmm. version of ourselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, Yeah. You didn't say
0: what I thought you were going to say. Well, because when we were messaging back and forth, you said something about my tattoo. Like when I said, I thought that you were cool. And then you said, well, I don't have any tattoos. I'm not cool. Yeah, And then I'm sitting here going, uh, but your glasses, you're so cool. And that's what kind of sparked this, this idea of like I'm looking at your glasses. You're looking at my tattoo. We're both making assumptions that the other person is too cool for us yeah. because of this one arbitrary thing that we see in them.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and to continue with that, like, cool factor of, like, you wear red lipstick. I, I could never wear red lipstick. Okay? Back to that whole conversation that y'all have had before. Um, I don't have any tattoos. You, like stay up late and like do cool things. And I'm like in bed at 9 PM with my cat. Okay. So like very different ideas of what is cool and what's not.
0: Well, I'll say staying up late is not cool and you should not do it. You should go to bed and get sleep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm all for that. Um, yeah.
0: Well, So I think that this is a good, because you had said, can we, are we going to have time to debunk what you just said? And so I think sometimes it is that fear of what if I'm not the person that they think that I am? Either because that is all I've shown of myself, but I know deep down that that's not all that I am. And so we get a little scared to show those parts of ourselves. Or also what if people are just assuming things about us and that's why they think that they're going to like us. And mm-hmm. then once they really get to know us, they're going to see that that's not true. So one example of that for me would be that I, um, I feel like I waste a lot of time. So I think people could potentially look at me personally but also what we do for make do and think oh my gosh you get so much stuff done how do you do it all and i sit there going oh if only they knew that i have watched 10 seasons of ink masters in like three weeks wait wait, it's up to 10 now yeah well but because we had the winter <laughs> we had a week of winter and so i didn't leave my house and so i just had to keep watching ink masters okay, okay. I love it. i do fast forward some parts but anyway Like, I spend a lot of time doing that. And then would people be disappointed if they knew, oh, this is what I thought she was. But really, she's just lazy and watches TV all the time, you know? Yeah. So then that keeps me from sharing those parts of myself. And then that's when I start to feel like an imposter. It's when what I think people's impression is and what I think my actual identity is has a disconnect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is when I start to feel the tension.
1: Do you want me to say... um, do what if, do you want me to say my impressions of madison yeah 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 okay um so i think that you guys are very opposite like you kind of well as you all have said you you kind of what is it fill each other's yeah. <laughs> i,
2: I fill in joe's cracks has been there the joke go.
1: yeah there, that's um, what
2: Mooley says yeah
1: yes thank you Mooley. um so i think that madison is very detail oriented and um this was so funny. I, I kind of already know some of these impressions that I had of you are already not true mm. because of that on the podcast. So like, like, I think that you are, you appear to be a very patient person. And then, but then you've talked about before how you get so mad about <laughs> things. And I just, I cannot envision that at all. But of course, you're not going to portray like, this is Angry Madison on the podcast or whatever. But I mean, you deal with children and you're a teacher. Um, and then when we're, the conversation you guys had about voices, like I will probably not be able to listen back to this because I do not hear the sound of my voice. I mean, I have sent students like video and recordings of our classes before and I'm like, Hope this worked, but I'm not listening to it because I don't want to hear my voice.
0: <laughs> Let me just give you a trick for that. Listen, if you listen to it, and I encourage you to because it's going to be yeah. amazing. If you listen to it, listen on faster speed, like speed and a half or even two times speed because it will trick you enough to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds fine. That's how we listen back to it. When, okay. Yeah.
1: That's typically how I listen to things. the time. Anyway. Yes.
0: So that will um, help.
1: Yeah. But Madison, you have, like, the nicest voice. Like, it's so calm and soothing. And I remember you were like, I'm afraid I have this shrill voice. Wrong.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that. Mm-hmm.
1: You should, like, read um, that, like, on the Calm app, like, meditation oh. for people yeah. when they go to sleep or something.
2: Yeah, maybe I should narrate our after hours podcast so i can get real close to the microphone and be like welcome we joke that do. we're gonna
0: have a be createful after dark where we talk about the things that are too like sultry to talk about on our regular podcast
2: i love it this is madison hale with be createful after dark you sound like delilah. <laughs>
0: delilah okay i i have a few uh well did you have any more impressions you wanted to say of uh meredith yeah or just in general
2: um yeah so meredith you just seem like you like the sun you just seem like a warm (laughs) sunny person i don't know where that comes from
1: you love the beach so much like very much yeah but i actually would rather it be winter oh i love So that's a really weird combination of things right (laughs) i'm like a fucking contradiction
0: i don't know i think you can i think that that is something helpful to hold while we have this conversation oh yeah yeah Um, like
1: i Okay. I'm going to vacation in a warm, sunny place. And that is where I am most relaxed at Mm -hmm. all times. But if I'm working, I want it to be cold and I want to be cozy and I want to be like cooped up in my house. Cause that
0: puts you in work mode versus vacation mode. If it's, if it's hot outside, you want to be on vacation, not working. I can totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll also just as a moment of transparency, I was already telling Madison this, but I, um, feel a lot of Anytime we change anything, I get like nervous and I feel like it's my responsibility to make sure that the podcast that you guys are actually listening to is this, again, curated um, experience in your ears of excellence. And so the fact that Madison and I now 28 episodes in kind of have a little bit of a rhythm. And then, um, so now I'm like, wait, does Meredith feel like she's part of the rhythm? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I feel so, like I'm
1: totally messing up the rhythm, probably, no. is what's happening. So, I was so awkward. I didn't even, like, you do, You were doing your intro, and I was like, I am Meredith.
0: No, it's awkward. Sometimes I still forget the words to the intro.
2: Oh, yeah. I'll flub stuff up all the time.
0: Yeah. So, but we're going to try to stick to our to my limited editing so that people can, like, hear what it really is like. Like, it's not, it's always fun, but it's not always exciting.
1: And nobody has time in real life to edit and curate every aspect of their life. That's just not real.
0: But, you know, we think we can't put things out until they are edited. And then that's why we think we don't have anything to offer. Right. So we're just trying to shut that lie up. Okay. (laughs) There's, as we continue this conversation, there's two I think different aspects that I want us to be able to talk about, but I want to define them so that we know what we're saying. All right. Hit us with it. So the first is identity. Identity. (laughs) (laughs) Identity. When you Google that, the first thing that pops up is going to say identity is the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. The fact of being. Yeah. So that's not very helpful. What it (laughs) boils down to is qualities, beliefs, personality traits, your looks, expressions, um, of a person that would be like personal identity or a group, which would be group identity, which is what I think leads to a lot of issues socially is, is uh, assumptions about people's group identity. So that's one thing is identity. Mm -hmm. And I guess that is what we feel more within ourselves um, and then the second term would be impression. So that would be an idea or feeling of opinion or opinion. Like we were all giving our impressions that we had of each other that may or may not be true to someone's actual identity. I think another side of that coin of impression is the idea of an imprint. So um, it's not the full self. Like I am giving you an imprint of my identity through social media through the podcast. You're seeing the parts of me that I want you to see. So it's an imprint. It can have a lasting effect, but it might not be a true complete version of who we are. So like I already said before, um, I think when identity and impression don't line up or when we think that they don't line up or when that is when we kind of feel some tension.
2: Yeah. And that's when we feel that imposter syndrome. Yes. All right.
0: Well, and when imposter syndrome kind of takes on a different meaning than what we talked about last week, mm-hmm. like as a clinical term, imposter syndrome is when you don't feel worthy of your achievements or when you feel like a fraud or like you don't belong. This seems to be a way to talk about imposter syndrome that is kind of disconnected from the from the
2: achievement sort of side of it. This right. is this is more mm-hmm. of when you're um, when yourself doesn't match up with what you think you should be. Yes. Less about it. There's a difference there. Yes. And it's I hope it's we'll, nuanced, yeah. but
0: I think that there is a little bit of a difference there. So what I mean is some people who may have taken the imposter phenomenon test. Did you take it, Meredith?
1: No, I haven't taken it, but I definitely want to. The
0: So la- in last week's episode, we linked to an imposter phenomenon test test that tells you where you fall on a scale of zero to 100. So some people who may not have fallen, who may not have scored highly on that test, might experience feelings of being an imposter more in how we're going to talk about it today. Yes. But wouldn't test clinically.
2: So if last week's episode didn't seem like it applied to you, you may find resonance in this one. Yes.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah, it seems the idea of the imposter syndrome has more to do with like, What you do versus like this idea of identity has more to do with like
0: who you are. Yes. I think that is a great point of who, what you do versus who you are. Because, like, when I asked you to introduce yourself, you told us what you do. Yeah. Where you're from, what you do, how you know us, but none of that is really who you are. Right. So, even that is an example of a lot of times when we're. When we know we're going to have limited time with someone, oh, I only have thirty seconds to tell these people yeah. about me. We always focus then on those things, yeah. The what we do, not who we are.
2: Yeah, and I think
1: culturally, that's kind of just how conversation goes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Like, people, oh, would- I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll try to belong here, and I will just try to go along with how things are, and this is what they expect to hear, so this is what
0: I'll share. Yes. Right?
2: Yeah, the last thing anyone wants to hear is, "Hello, my name is Madison, and I'm a very patient person." And people are people will be like, <laughs> "Why? Why did I need to know that? I need I need to know the facts about you before I know." But really, yeah. that's the more important parts, right? Is the yeah. the essence of you? Mm-hmm. Well,
0: also, I don't think we want to trust everyone with that information. Like Meredith was saying, you don't. You're wanting to see what does it take to belong in this space, so. You know, we don't always want to bear all of who we are to people when we first meet them. So Mm -hmm. it's a safe place to talk about more of those, what we do, what we like, those things versus who we are. Because then we get to decide if we want to share more or not.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that idea of um, we have to tailor fit ourselves to the spaces that we're in. So um, if I'm introducing myself to a potential employer like I did with Joe. And if you go back in the podcast earlier, (laughs) you can listen to how that happened. Um, I try to pick out things. Yeah. I try to pick out things that I think she would want to hear like, oh yeah, I sew really well. I wouldn't introduce myself that way if I was going in for a teaching job. Mm -hmm. Um, These things that we do to edit ourselves are good. We need them in certain situations, but it's when it gets out of hand that it becomes a problem. Right. Right. They serve a purpose. Yeah. Um, -hmm but
0: also I think that they can end up being a barrier to connection and relationship in the long run. Mm -hmm. So we often hear about people having an identity crisis. And I think that this comes from, so if we go back to that definition of identity being qualities, beliefs, personality, looks, when any of those things change, If that's what you're basing your identity on, then now you feel in crisis. So I tried to think of a few things that are going to naturally occur. I mean, they're out of our control. So things like how old you are, you know, like when you're in your twenties, you feel one way and then people get scared to turn 30 because now all that, the sudden that's like, wait, who am I going to be as a 30 year old? (laughs) You know, it like really, I did that last
1: week and you
2: turned 30 last week.
1: Yes. I'm actually, I was super pumped to turn 30. So.
2: Oh, that's but awesome.
1: But not everyone is. I'm very aware of that.
2: <laughs> so what made you excited to turn 30? Mm-hmm. Like what what ideas of Meredith as a 30-year-old that you liked? What were some of those things?
1: So I think what I have learned like throughout my 20s was that um, the older I get, the more I know and the less of an imposter I feel like. Okay. If I were going to boil it down to like one Right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I love to learn and I love, um, having knowledge about a subject. And so when I feel like the more, like each year you learn more about life or you learn more about your job or you become a better friend or you become a better Christian, you become whatever. And so I just know that, okay, well then by the time I'm 31, I'm going to know even more things. And that's really exciting to me. And then maybe I'll feel even more confident because I think that um, that is a lot with what has to do with making me feel confident in my identity, feeling like safe and feeling like I belong. Mm -hmm. The older I get, the more I feel like I belong, if that makes sense.
2: I like that. I also, I also like to learn too, and I think I love the idea of getting older and having more wisdom, and um, almost like a badge of honor, like, yeah, I've spent 30 years on this earth, and I've seen a lot, and I know how to handle si- adult situations. I would love to be in that spot. <laughs> <laughs> I think
0: as I because I am 37. I honestly, 37, I'm like, can't I just be 40? Not that I want to waste time, but I feel like there's something in those middle years where you lose a bit of the identity of the thing. Does that make sense? Like you're first you turn 30 and then you're in your younger thirties and that has its own, but then 37 is like a nothing year.
2: It's like 30 has this feeling of like cool maturity. And then it's not until you hit 40 where it's like the, almost like the gravitas of being 40 is like bigger and grander and seems to match the experience. Like then
0: you're, I'm just ready for the next Um, to get to be the, in the next identity, I guess. Um, and I think the older I get, the more confident I get in who I am. Like Meredith, you were saying the more you start to trust the things that you know, but, um, it, it may, it lets me look back over all the different versions I've lived of myself and see that those were all parts of me, but I didn't have to stay that version of myself. I can move on from it. And my identity changes a little bit each time that I do that and that that's okay. And so I think the more times you go through that process, the more you boil down who you actually are and are able to separate it from what you do, where you're from, what you like. So it, I think, lets me settle into my identity a little bit more. So age is one thing that affects identity. I think another would be like your job.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think people um, experience this most when they lose their job. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have um, this past year and a half where now the thing that you could tell people quickly in 30 seconds, oh, I work here, that doesn't apply anymore. And so you have to find ways of um, having like purpose, identity and reason without having a job, especially when that's one of the first questions people ask. It's like, oh, what's your name? What do you do? Yeah, which yeah. I I personally don't like that because plenty of people out there have jobs they hate mm-hmm. and I feel for you. I've yes. been there. Um, So I prefer to ask people what their name is and what do you like to do in your free time? Because mm-hmm. that tells me more about the person than their job. Yeah. That there, gives you more insight into the who they are part.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Have you guys heard of um, this place called Onsite Mm-mm. in Nashville? So it's sort of like this intensive um, counseling center where you can go for like a week at a time. I haven't been there before because it's kind of expensive, but um, (laughs) I love counseling. I've been going for years and I've heard people talk about it on different podcasts that one of the rules when you go there is say you go for like a week and you do like group counseling You do all kinds of different activities, but you cannot tell anybody what you do for <gasps> so like you show up and like and it's there's a lot of people that go there that are you know well known they mm-hmm. you know musicians in Nashville and artists all kinds of different things and so writers and so you show up and you can't say hi I'm whoever and I am on the New York Times bestseller list or I do this or I mm-hmm. do that so much of our identity is in what we do um which is as we learned not actually what our identity
0: is right and it's a way that we think we can connect with people i'm just sitting here thinking maybe we should implement that in the studio classes that we do i would love that like fun. to where at least i mean when we do a 15 hour quilting class it's going to come out what you do and i think a lot of people connect especially like they make those connections but maybe mm-hmm. i should just say you know for the first couple hours let's try to get to know each other Outside of what you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah. So do you have any other? Yeah. I just wrote down a few like relationship status. Oh,
2: Oh, like as in, are you single dating? Yeah. So I'm
0: single. Um, one of the first, always within the first five questions, actually probably the first three questions that a stranger will ask me is what my name, what's my name? What do I do? Are you married? Especially like in church circles. Yeah. And then if you say no, then they fixate on that.
2: Yeah. That's like the thing they hone in on.
0: Yeah. But then now that has become actually a part of my identity that I really cherish. So Mm -hmm. I think it would actually be hard for me to give up being single. I think I love who I am when I'm single. Mm -hmm. That that would cause an identity crisis in me if someone were to come
2: and I have a lot of, um, like demands. Joe has a lot of stipulations for, um, the right man to come into her life. And if anyone is interested, I would be willing to personally interview and vet (laughs) before she even sees them. Yeah. But it like, it's going to be a tough process. Oh yeah. So,
0: you know, I just think if anyone wants to go through all that, maybe they deserve a chance, but that's (laughs) it. It's just a chance. There's no guarantee. So, um, that's one thing I think I hold on to personally that would cause me a great identity crisis. Oh yeah. Or then when
2: you're married, are you? Do you have kids? Do you not? Yeah. Um. Honestly, it gets me on wedding invitations when it says Mr. and Mrs. Richard Hale. I'm like, hey, hey, I'm here too. I have a name. Mm-hmm. You can put my first well, name on there.
0: I will say. I mean, I know this is a, a dating podcast for me to find a mate, <laughs> but <laughs> if I'll keep my last name. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's one of the stipulations because it's part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, that fits in with identity. Like, my name is who I am. And I am happy to come up with something new together. But I'm not going to assume someone else's identity Mm -hmm. as my own when I've lived this long as me.
2: Oh, yeah. Meredith, do you have any thoughts on that on relational identity? I sure do. Yes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, um.
1: So I was actually married for six years and, um, my, in 2019, just before the pandemic, my husband left me. And so I had to go from the identity of being a married person, being a wife Hmm. to all of a sudden, I have no choice, but I'm a single person again.
0: Mm -hmm. And, and not just a single person, but a divorcee. And then that has its own stigma with it. Mm -hmm.
1: It does. So being taken out of a lot of the social circles, not that, not that like I lost friends, like my married friends didn't want to be friends with me. All, most of my best friends are married. Um, but it definitely has been a challenge to find where do I fit? Cause mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't fit a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I was laughing about the the name thing because I still am in the process of getting, getting my name back and mm-hmm. having to pay into the court and all that business. And Amy um, emailed me about teaching art. And she was like, I have to ask, what is your last name? And I was like, (laughs) I laughed so hard because I was like, Amy, this has been such an identity crisis. I don't even know. (laughs) So um, yeah, I can totally relate to that. But it's definitely all of these things. Like I had this whole like long list of like, identity crises that I've experienced. And they're all what you've mentioned. Like I've moved like 30 times in my life. I have all I've had all of these different jobs in design and not design and art. And now I freelance and I have like seven new jobs all at the same time. And, and all of these things, um, you know, it just, when there when there's something that's new, anything that's new and unfamiliar to us is frightening. Mm-hmm. And the longer you do it, the less frightening it is and the less you feel like an imposter.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah, those were kind of my thoughts as far as the identity crisis
2: situations. Hey, you have an actual like, like on paper identity crisis where (laughs) when someone had to ask you, wait, who are you? Yeah. What's your name?
1: I know. Wow.
2: That's big. (laughs) And that's a tough thing to bear when you are in the midst of who am I? What is where do I fit? And like, what, what's my place? Well,
0: and when you're, when who you are has been intertwined with something else, whether that's another person Mm -hmm. or, um, like I could talk, speak about it even within make do, Mm -hmm. like who I am and what make do is are so entwined that if make do quit existing, I feel like I would quit existing. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard for me. Um, I think I was in a dramatic moment, said to my sister, like, you know, through the pandemic, not knowing if we were going to make it. I mean, we can see like a couple months down the line, but we can't see a year down. Mm -hmm. And I said, if make do doesn't make it, I will die Like just in a dramatic, but it's true that part of me would, because I'm so connected to this. So I Mm -hmm. think that that can also be another person. It can be the place you live. It can Mm -hmm. be your ethnicity. And then what happens when that thing gets taken away for whatever reason, then who are you?
1: Mm -hmm. I think think it's been a really great learning opportunity um, in the sense that anytime you experience something that, I mean, there are those huge fears of, okay, if I experience this, if this goes away, if this is taken away from me, like I will die. Right. Well, guess what? You didn't die. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) I've experienced a lot of those moments where I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm okay. And in a much smaller sense, not so much like identity crisis, but even in the sense of like learning and creativity, when I am talking to my students about like, learning photoshop and they're like oh this is taking me so long and it's so frustrating the first time because they've never done it before Mm -hmm. and it takes so much longer when you make mistakes but those mistakes you end up learning from them things that you wouldn't have learned if you did it perfectly the first time
0: exactly because if you do it perfectly and you don't have to fix your mistakes the mistakes are inevitable so then when you do run into them you don't know what to do all over again Mm -hmm. yeah we say that all the time in the um, quilting class, especially. And I think that that's what makes learning in a group. So beneficial is that you get to learn from the mistakes of others. You are no longer responsible to make every mistake so that you can learn how to fix every mistake. You get to spread that out a little, yeah. but when people get embarrassed in class for making a mistake, I say, this is this is amazing you made this mistake because now we get to learn from it. And if you hadn't made it today, it could have been six months before you made it. And then that's when it would catch you off guard and you wouldn't know what to do. So Mm -hmm. I think we need to reframe the way we talk about mistakes.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh, man,
2: that felt very heavy.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's, we could keep talking about identity crisis though, like the things in our lives where we have felt like,
2: Whoa. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it makes me think of when, um, this has happened a couple of times in my friendships specifically. Um, I like to be seen as a nurturing friend and I want my friends to come and talk to me. Like I kind of want to be their mom if I'm really honest with myself. And Maybe we, sl- we can start calling you mom momason <laughs> <Mommason. laughs> um, with all of my other yeah. nicknames that I've got going. Um, So I want them to view me as a nurturing mom. But when I see things happening in their life where I'm like, I can see that you're headed down a path that's not great or that I think you're making a mistake. um, I want to be able to say something, but I'm concerned that my identity as a comforting motherly type figure will get challenged and then I won't be that anymore. And then what am I?
0: I don't know what your mom is like. But my mom challenges me a lot. (laughs) So (laughs) maybe that actually is how you can step into that impression even more. Maybe right now you've only been doing an imprint of what it is like to be a mom. It's just part of it.
2: Um, And I don't actually want to mother my friends. Like I know that relationships need to be a lot of give and take. Um, But I want to be a safe place for them. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I challenge them, I won't be. And then if I'm that angry friend who's always like, who's nagging them or um, that they don't feel comfortable around that I will lose not only part of my identity, but the friend as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't be seen as the nice, warm, nurturing person. And the reality is, is that the person that I am is not always that way. And I would argue probably less of that less. I'm, I'm probably like 65% feisty and like, what a 35% that was good nurturing. math on the fly. I'm really trying here. <laughs> I'm trying to improve.
1: <laughs> okay. About the, like being a friend thing, mm-hmm. Madison. Um, I know you all are, love Brene Brown or at least,
0: yes. I know her yes. um,
1: so I have loved her so much since probably like 2015. Mm-hmm. And, um, so there's a part in one of her books and I can't remember which one it is. I've read all of them and they all kind of blur together, but she, went over this portion of her book um, when she was doing an interview with Oprah, I think it was like on a super soul Sunday and it was like the types of friend that you don't want to be. Mm. And so there's certain friends that you would be able to have that conversation with versus other categories of friends or acquaintances where you don't have that level of vulnerability and maybe that conversation wouldn't be appropriate anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's so, it's such a good video. I've watched it so many times, but, um,
2: I need to go back and watch that.
1: Yeah. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. Yes.
2: Well, I think that that
0: plays into pretty well the fact that you cannot always be your whole self all the time to everybody. Right. So right. when you are not, when you either choose to withhold parts of yourself or, intentionally or circumstantially parts of yourself get withheld, that does not make you an imposter or make you two-faced. That is just the nature of relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I like that you said, you know, you're 35% um, (laughs) like nurturing nurturing and 65% feisty. Well, if someone is only around you 35% of the time, it's, it is easy for you to be 100% 35% 35% of yourself that's nurturing. <laughs> There's the good math folks versus someone who like your husband who is around you a lot more than that. Yeah. You cannot spend all of your energy withholding 65% of yourself so that you can be the 35% that you want that person to see.
2: I feel like I need to, I feel like I need to pay you cause that, that was a good therapy session right there. <laughs> <Ooh. Well. laughs> I
0: can be really objectively smart and beneficial for other people.
2: Yeah. It's hard to do it to yourself. It's hard for yourself. Which is part of the reason why we do this podcast. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, I think that this podcast really lets us, it gives us an avenue to explore authenticity in a way that still feels safe. So like mm-hmm. you know, um yeah. it lets us try on what it feels like to be more open and honest, which is what I want, but I still even though I want that the most, cannot always be that in person. Yeah. But it's easier knowing it's just in someone's ears and that maybe they don't know us. Yeah, that's true. But also sometimes it's your Mooly that listens and she told me mm-hmm. she's here visiting now and Um, I had said something about, I got dental insurance and so now I can go to the dentist and she said, oh yeah, we need to talk about that while I'm there. And I said, what? She said, I'm learning a lot about you listening to your podcast. I have a list. (laughs) Oh my! (laughs) So sometimes you start being open and then your mom is like, we need to talk about that thing that you said. (laughs) So I don't know what, what they are, but anyway, comes at a price. It does. Um, Any other identity crises? I can share a funny one. Mine would be my hair. What? So I love having my short hair. I feel like my short hair is part of what makes me who I am. I have this gray streak that runs through it. When Meredith made a portrait of me for my birthday, um, I messaged her and I was like, oh, my gosh, my hair. It looks so amazing. (laughs) Um, But now I'm like, oh, maybe I want to grow it out. Mm -hmm. And then I think, "Uh, will I even still be me if I let my hair grow out? Oh, yeah. So even that silly little superficial physical thing, I think, I don't know if I can grow my hair out because I'm known for my short hair. So if I let it grow, who am I?
2: Mm -hmm. It makes me think of when I from from seventh grade to 10th grade. I had a big identity crisis. I was, like, (laughs) testing out all fashion styles. I was like, maybe I'm goth. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to dye my hair black, so I'm not goth. Or I was like, maybe I'm, like, super funky and quirky. And so I wore, like, giant plastic jewelry and, like, huge earrings. And I had, like, fruit all over my shirts and stuff. And I was like, "Mm, maybe this is a little much. I'm not feeling this. Or, like, I thought, well, maybe I'm just, like, like casually cute and I have like jeans converse and like a cardigan like I'll be cool none of this fit me and each time I would try something new I'd be like oh but what if I go to school and someone's like you're such a poser mm-hmm. you're not a goth you're not quirky you're not even cool why do you think you can wear those shoes Um, so going back to those teenage years reminds me that you know I even though it felt like I couldn't like, oh, I'm not, I'm not cool enough to be able to wear those things. I was just kind of testing out to see what kind of person I was. Yeah. So sometimes you get in that in between of, okay, I'm trying to figure out who I am. It doesn't mean that I'm an imposter. It's just I need to figure out what I like about myself. And don't you wish you could go back and tell
0: your junior high self that everyone is thinking the same thing everyone
2: else is going through that same thing too and no one knows who they are mm-hmm. yeah that happened to I was lucky and I kind of started to grasp that in 11th grade and that's when I started to wear really weird stuff to school and I didn't give a flip anymore there's many pictures on my facebook of like school spirit days where i come in like a plastic dress or <laughs> or something um, or well, like I, yeah crazy stuff
1: the the clothing thing and like our physical appearances, it really has such an effect on our identity, which like that could be a whole podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. But for clothing has been a really difficult part of my identity mm-hmm. because I always went to schools that wore uniforms oh. and I played volleyball competitively. So it wasn't until I was like in college that I actually had to start wearing normal clothes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't even know what I... Like it turns out, I like jumpsuits, so <laughs> I wear choice. that a lot. I, I like I like what is easy, and it, this is one article of clothing. Mm-hmm.
2: It's a dress, but more utilitarian because it has pants. Um,
1: yeah, that's right. That's right.
0: Yeah.
2: But is it easy to go to the bathroom?
0: No, it is definitely not. <laughs> yeah. <It's> <laughs> I, clothes was never, I think it was just always something I never wanted to spend my energy to figure out. I, because I had the same thoughts, like who am I? But then I thought I don't feel comfortable in any of these things. Can't I just wear like a big t-shirt and leggings or can't I just wear like my athletic clothes yeah. or something? Yeah. And so I think I um, would greatly benefit from having a uniform not because we've talked about capsule wardrobe before. Yes. So not a capsule wardrobe, but just a uniform where it's like, and that's why I wear, like I'm wearing the same thing that I've been wearing all week. This was just kind of my uniform, uniform. for this
2: week. Yeah. Well, and you already have a color palette set for yeah. all of your clothes. So pretty much. Mm-hmm.
0: My identity comes out more in like, what color are my nails painted? um, your how ear- Your earrings? How high is my hair? Yeah. What earrings am I wearing? Even though a lot of times not. Mm-hmm. And with having to wear masks, because I would always wear lipstick, but with masks not. So, I don't know. Physical identity is a is a tricky one because that's also the one that people, without saying a word, that's what people see about you. So, it really is. You are trying to say a lot about who you are based in really superficial mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: Meredith, do you have any other identity crisis you want to share? <laughs> mm.
1: Well, I know that this is something that Joe can probably relate to. I don't know, Madison, what your international experience is like, but having lived, um, well, so first the identity crisis was going to live in Italy for two years and living as a foreigner. That was a huge identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And then moving back to the States was kind of like, oh, well now I have this whole other perspective of Mm -hmm. what it's like to be a foreigner. And I, you know some of my opinions on things have changed and the way that i do things is so different and why are elevators so big and parking spaces are ginormous and <laughs> all of these really strange things but um that was like culturally a really eye-opening thing that I I learned a lot from.
0: I think what makes it tricky coming back too, it's not just the culture shock you experience coming back, but it's you've been gone doing all of the changing and people haven't witnessed the change in you because they haven't been with you. So then it's when you come back and things have changed that people start to say, well, you're not you. You're not Mm -hmm. who you used to be and you went and did all this changing and you didn't let us know. Like we weren't part of that process. So I think that that can be quite shocking as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. I think all of my identity crises in my life could be boiled down to doing something new. And you already alluded to that, Meredith, but, um, like when I went to live overseas in Ireland, I went as a missionary, but I remember feeling like there's no way I'm going to be a good missionary. Like, because who am I to be a missionary? So I had assumptions about what a missionary was. Um, And so, again, who I felt like I was wasn't lining up with my assumptions. So the whole time I felt like I was contradicting what I should be doing. And I spent a lot of energy trying to be something I wasn't instead of letting that title of missionary become whatever it was as I wore it. Mm -hmm. So
2: So you were letting your... um You wanted to expand the definition of missionary to fit
0: you as well. Well, that's what I should have done. Mm -hmm. But instead, I tried to make myself fit into what I thought that it was. As I talk about this, it's just making me think about Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. And how, (laughs) like, are y'all too young for that movie? No. no, Okay. But it's like, you know, there are these magic pants that fit everyone. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes I think we need to just let something take on our shape instead of trying to force our shape to fit that thing that we want to be or that we're trying to be part of
2: I think yes. that applies to so many
1: different places mm-hmm. yeah. I had written that down about like um, that I've spent so much of my life letting what I do or what others around me kind of dictate who I am versus letting what I do be a reflection of who I am and like who God created me to be. Mm
2: -hmm. And then one of us can come back in and say, uh, our conversation was so great. We went for a while. Let's, um, you'll have to wait until next week to listen to the rest of the conversation.
0: I think that's perfect. I think when the stopping point is now that you're hearing this, you'll know when it was, you'll hear what Madison just said. And this, <laughs> we're, we're ending part one because yeah. we talked for so long and we don't want you to get bored, but we do want you to hear all of the conversation. So we're ending part one now. Yes. So this is the ending. Bye. Bye. Meredith, say bye. Bye. Bye, bye friends. <laughs> Thank you to my dear, dear friend Craig Hudson for our very createful theme music. You can hear more of Craig's music on Spotify under Craig Hudson, that's Hudson with a T, or you can just uh, click on the link in the show notes. Also, be sure to connect with Make do on Instagram at Make Do Create or on Facebook at Make do Cersei. And visit our website, makedocreate.org for upcoming classes, show notes, to order a face mask, We'll be back here with another episode next Monday. Have a good week, (coughs) y'all.